Welcome to the NCTM podcast. Uh, my name is Steve McCormack, the NCTM's communications director, and today I've come to uh, a primary school in Birmingham, in the centre of Birmingham, pretty much, Slade Primary School. It's just up the hill from Spaghetti Junction, which is a well-known landmark in, in Birmingham. People have, you've probably driven through it sometime on the M6, and, and just beneath uh, Spaghetti Junction is quite a tight-knit area of housing, and that's where we are, Slade Primary School. Uh, it looks from the outside to be uh, uh, a Victorian or an Edwardian school. We'll find out a bit more about it in a moment. But the reason we've come here is this school has made a big commitment in the last couple of years to teaching for mastery. But it's a school which, on paper, might not be an obvious candidate for such a sort of a wholesale change in teaching. Uh, we'll hear a bit about that why, because the school is, is not one with a with a long history of educational achievement. It, it, it It's had challenges within its intake, and we'll hear about that in a moment as well. Nevertheless, the school has, in the past couple of years, uh, gone for teaching for mastery seriously in a big way, and it's been a success, and that's the story we're going to hear today. With me uh, in the head teacher's office, I have the head teacher, Helen Hastillo. Uh, Helen, thanks for talking to us. You're um, tell us a bit about this school. I said it, it looked Victorian Edwardian. It's clearly been here a long time, this school. Yeah, it has. So um, it opened in around about 1910 um, as a boys' school under the Aston School Ward um, and then has grown over time to become a, a large two-form entry primary school. It's a grade two listed building as well. Um, it's got a brilliant history and also has its own book written about its history, which is just amazing. Wow. So tell us a bit about the school's intake today. Yeah. So um, if, if we look at where the school's located, um, the postcode falls under the top 5% of deprivation nationally. Um, but our intake's really mixed. So there are lots of children who are living um, in poverty and, and who have extremely challenging home circumstances. But we also have um, professionals, teachers, children who come here as well. So it's really mixed. Um, huge range of ethnicities. So we're at around about 50% of children with English as an additional language. And there are 32 different spoken languages within the school. Um, and that ranges from everything from Urdu... Um, through to Romanian, um, Swahili. Um, so there's a whole range of languages spoken. Um, and our FSM is also higher than national. Free so, school meals. Yeah. Any ethnicities dominate uh, above others, or is it a, a true mix? Um, it is a true mix. Lots of um, Pakistani children, that's quite a high percentage for us, um, but also mixed Caribbean um, are our main two ethnicities um, within the school. And the sort of educational backgrounds of the families they come from... It's quite mixed. Um, so we've got lots of um, families who are second generation living here. Um, but but actually, lots of our mums um, haven't been to school, so we offer parent classes um, for our mums, which is, is well taken up, and EAL classes. Um, and for lots of our parents, their schooling experience might not have been particularly positive. So the, uh, the sort of what the children see within their wider families is yes. not necessarily helpful to them when, when they come to school, some of these no, children. No, and if we look at um, on baseline, so if we look at children that are entering our nursery and reception, we've normally got around about between 20 and 30% of them working where they should be, so working at age-related expectations. So that's a huge challenge for yeah, us. Yeah, so that means 70 or 80, not, not working at that level. Yep. Okay, but nevertheless, with, with that background, you decided to, to go for this teaching for mastery. Yes. Um, just briefly tell us how, how it happened and why it happened and why you decided, yes, we're going to go for this at this school. The, the school, um, as you've alluded to, um, has had quite um, 
a difficult few years really um so i became head here in uh, april 2015 um and at, at that point we had quite a, a large staff turnover um so we it was almost like starting from scratch again and one of the new teachers that we appointed was our maths lead claire williams um who joined us then um, and she became our maths lead in december 2015 um and we, we realized very quickly that actually our maths teaching at, at, in general was not good enough so actually if you looked at the general um the general uh, overview of teaching across the school we were probably between 80 and 90 percent of good teaching but if you just looked at math teaching specifically and looked at math subject knowledge and the quality of the math teaching that percentage would have been more like 30 to 40 percent so we knew we had to do something different um and, and claire had also done the previously the mast um course so had already had already been a maths lead previously um, and had done a lot of work around mastery um, but I guess it was probably well less well known than it is now mm. um, and and she'd got some good links within the maths hubs um, so we went out and started looking at some schools who'd been implementing mastery as an approach mm -hmm. um, and starting in year one and, and then building that up across the school and um, I've got to be honest I was a bit skeptical um, because actually skeptical about what particularly i think that whole thought of everybody doing the same thing which i think when i speak to lots of heads now i can hear my voice three or four years ago yeah but actually that wasn't what it was about i walked away i think with this feeling that it's actually about equity it's about every child being entitled to access their year group's curriculum this is having just had a peek at what other schools were doing absolutely um it, it was eye-opening to think that actually it, it isn't about um, everyone doing something different it's about actually how your variation within your math teaching um, is enabling everyone to succeed um, and, and, and we came back and sat around the table and we talked about, yes, let's start this in year one. That, that's really important in early years. But we looked at what was going on in year five and six and it wasn't good enough. So we made the decision that actually we were going to implement mastery across the whole school. Um, and, and, uh, and so Claire, you, Claire Williams, you've spoken about, she, yes. she went on to become and do the training, which is quite heavy duty training with the NCTM and the local maths hub to become a mastery specialist. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. So we felt that was really important. Um, a, so that she was working with others who were on the same journey and sharing that and sharing the successes, but also sharing the pitfalls, you know, that to sit here and say that it, it's been straightforward would, would be a lie. Mm -hmm. Um but, but it was also a, a chance for our teachers to be able to access high quality CPD, either through Claire or through going out and being able to see other teachers teach. So um, we, we fully committed to her becoming a mastery specialist, which did have a huge drain on us because actually it meant then that we she had to be out and she was a year six teacher. But we knew that actually it was about that long term commitment to something great and something that was going to make a real difference. It's a risk to take, isn't it, letting your year six teacher out for so long? Other heads would be thinking, mm, yeah, I might not have gone for that myself. Absolutely, yeah. So it was it was equating to um, a day a week mm. at that point, um, and, and probably a little bit more than that some weeks. But we, we looked at how we could cover that. So one of our assistant heads, who's a previous year six teacher, went in. Um, and we really did create a, a, a year-long strategic plan of implementation um, around what we were going to do. Um, and that was heavily based around the implementation of it in terms of supporting staff, because that's the biggest challenge, really. And doing it in that kind of scale, it needed to be more than just Claire. Um, so what we did do um, was 
we looked at using textbooks to support that. That was an important aspect for us um, because actually what I was very tired of seeing when I did mass book looks was opening up books and seeing primary resources print out over and over again and sometimes seeing the same shape worksheet from primary resources in year one in year five and actually how much time were teachers spending in their PPA and their workload actually just looking for resources. So for us, the right thing was to provide the quality resources. Um, and that did a couple of things. So one, it helped work-life balance because the resources were there. It also meant there was clear progression so that actually the children in year one are doing something different to the children in year two. But it's also its own subject knowledge tool. So the way that it's broken down in terms of the intelligent practice and the way that that works meant that actually they could see where the learning was going. So if in um, year four they're doing, they're doing fractions, they start by looking at tenths and using tenths. Then they go to hundreds, then they go to thousands, then they look at comparing and ordering. So there was a whole way of actually being able to see that progression for each member of staff. And the structure that a textbook offers... Yes, uh, help, helps that. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so that that was great, um, and it meant then the teachers don't didn't spend their time doing that. They spent their time thinking about the questions they were going to ask. They spent their time thinking about how they were going to differentiate, how they were going to make sure that the that greater depth work was going to be there for those high achievers, those rapid graspers, um, but also how they were going to use resources and the CPA approach to support those lower ability children to make sure that they can access their year groups curriculum. So um, the first year, I think you said you decided we're just going to go go for this across all six year groups. Is yes. that right? Yeah, we you did. Didn't, you didn't drip feed it in in Keister in years one and two, as some schools do. So why did you think? Why did you take that decision? It was about looking at the reality of the quality of teaching at that time. We actually felt that we would get a higher quality of teaching through doing this. Um, but what we did have to do was really create a mini maths group. So it wasn't just about Claire, um, my deputy head at the time, my assistant head at the time, um, but also another class teacher um, all underwent a more intensive subject knowledge training programme. And they were supporting planning weekly for the first term. So one of the big things was we committed to everybody having planning support for an entire term every week. We committed to one in four CPDs being maths related. We committed to... CPD meetings, staff meetings. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that 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 work that needed to happen then. And so then there was regular book looks to look at, right, well, what's going on? What do we need to implement next? What are the issues here? Um, and we also then got every teacher out of their classroom to watch Claire teach their class. So there was a real commitment, a high commitment, to staff continuing professional development, which if you look at any of the research nationally and you look at the quality of the TRGs that Mass Hubs do... All of the best research shows that teaching improves the most when teachers work together. Mm. You used that word equity a moment ago yes. uh, when you, you, you saw what was happening at other schools and you thought, yes, I want that to happen here at my school. Yeah. Um, can you just elaborate a little bit on, on what, why you thought maybe equity wasn't happening in, yeah. in your school and, and what you did to, to, to address that? Well, actually, if we looked at our results the previous summer, so that would have been our year six results under the last lot of old tests, um, we achieved around about 50% of children at a level four. So actually, half of our children were leaving here without the skills that they needed in order to be successful at maths at secondary school, and that's not okay. Um, so we had to do something different because actually we know that our children are coming in lower than children nationally. So in order to achieve equity, we've got to work harder. 
more things have got to happen across EYFS and Key Stage 1 and Key Stage 2 so that when they leave here, they're in the same position as everyone else. So that equity is really important to us as an ethos, but also very much reflected in our curriculum. And we felt that mastery as an approach really fitted that and fitted what we believed in. So what were the things that changed in classrooms? What would we see now in classrooms around the school, which we wouldn't have seen three years, three or four years ago? So lots of setting happened three or four years ago. No, you're a two-form entry school, aren't you? Absolutely, yep. So across year five and six, maths was set. That stopped. So all maths is taught in a mixed ability group. Um, that that's the first big change um, the way that the day is set up has changed too so traditionally we had an hour of maths we don't do that anymore so we have two half an hour sessions one before break and one after break um, and, and the reason for that is is if the intensity of maths and also our pupils current mindset around maths wasn't very positive so actually children didn't really like maths they found it hard they preferred English um, and actually results reflected that too. Our writing results were pretty good. Um, so that shorter session, more concentrated, then a short break, and they have a thinking task over break, and they go outside and they come back in, um, just allows them that time um, to, to digest. We then have a third session in the afternoon. So one of the true mantras around what we're doing is that no child leaves the school gates at the end of the day without having a level of understanding of the concept from that day and that's then down to your your level of depth so some children will just be dipping their toes into that concept some children will be deep sea diving um, Mm -hmm. in terms of that concept Um, but in the afternoon the teacher will identify children who haven't yet grasped that concept and they will go out then for a third third half an hour session with the teacher not the TA because actually quality first teaching is what's going to make the difference for those pupils so it has to be the teacher Um, And then the other children then have their fluency time because actually we've got to look at those different elements of maths and as much as the reasoning and the problem solving is important, that won't happen without the fluency. So So, that's important too. So let's just look at the details. We've got a class of 30 children roughly. They've had half an hour in the morning, break time, another half an hour. That's right. After break. Now in the afternoon you've got those 30 children. Some of those children, uh, according to what happened in the morning, will be taken out by the teacher. That's right. Small numbers, four, five, six, that sort of... Yeah, it depends. So some days actually it might be that the whole class need it. Yeah. And that's okay too. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, And we monitor the children that go out because actually what shouldn't be happening is it shouldn't be the same children all of the time. And is it not the same children all the time? No, it isn't. And if it is, if there's odd children where that is, so Claire monitors that and then we're looking at why that's happening and it might be actually that there's an underlying SEN issue that we haven't picked up it might be actually what's going on for that child why are they accessing so it allows us to look a bit deeper into that child's learning and what's really going on and what are the others doing who are not being taken out uh, in the afternoon by the teacher what are they doing left behind so to speak so they'll be doing their fluency and arithmetic so things like their times tables their number bonds um on their own or no, su- not obviously at all. supervised? Yes, absolutely. So um, support staff are in there, um, but we also deploy um, our assistant heads and our deputies at that time as well um, so that the quality of teaching is still there, um, but actually the right person is doing that intervention at the right time. Yeah. Now, you, you I think you also do pre-tutoring as well, don't you? Is that right? That's trying to, right. Trying to head off problems before they happen? Yes. Yeah, so obviously one of our biggest challenges is, that, is our EAL pupils 
Um, and, and certainly last year, less so this year, mobility in some year groups was quite high. So I think in year two, um, we lost 18 children out of the 60. That's quite significant. Um, and lots of those children coming in were coming in with no English. Uh-huh. So um, part of what they need in order to access the curriculum is pre-tutoring. So they'll be looking at the concept with a support with a member of support okay. staff beforehand. Um, so that has to happen. That's really important. So that they've got that insight into the concept before it starts. Okay, that was a bit of a walkie-talkie thing there. Let's just I'll get, hand it to you. You can Thank you. turn the sound down. That's all right. We can keep going. This happens in schools. <laughs> Um, so d- d- we, we were talking about pre-tutoring. Yes. Uh, is this qu- as organised and structured as what you've just told me about the same day intervention every afternoon, or is it, uh, is it is it is it structured the pre-tutoring? It's more flexible, so it depends on the concept. So actually, what we find with our EAL pupils is um, when it's fairly number based, um, actually they can access because there's a universal language there. So if we look at year five, they've just been doing their geometry unit. Um, one of the children in there um, understands the concept of how to find area, but has a l- very limited language around actually properties of shapes. So he's needed a whole load of interventions around property of shape and that pre-tutoring. Whereas actually, if we were doing um, factors, he probably wouldn't need that much pre-tutoring. So it's very personalised to what the children need. You said you got rid of setting uh, yes. immediately. And what yes. about what happens within each individual classroom? Because uh, do, you, do you still have different children sitting at different tables or anything of that nature at all? No, so we mix them up, actually. Um, so one of the, the big things for us around mastery is that ability to being able to explain their reasoning. Um, and actually, our lower ability children need that time with our more able children to be able to develop their reasoning and develop their problem solving and their ability to talk about that. So th- th- there is no setting in that sense. Um, we think that's really important. And actually, a, a higher ability child will teaching a lower ability child about what they know. That's a way of them showing their reasoning. Um, so we see that as a really positive thing. Um, and, and actually... Our lower ability children in our first academic year made the best progress. Um, so our SEND children um, across the three subjects made the best progress in maths because all of a sudden that glass ceiling that had been there, that assumption that they couldn't do had gone. And actually our, our assumption is they can all do this, they can all access it. What we need to do is vary our approach and make sure the differentiation that we're providing is enabling them to catch up. And what about the children who any on any one particular day yeah. grasp things quickly, yeah. do things quickly? Um, this is a question often heard from sometimes from parents, sometimes from other schools. Yes. Uh, how are you keeping my, my, my child engaged because he or she gets it quickly? Yes. Has, have you heard that at all from parents? Concerned. Yeah, we've definitely had that conversation a couple of times, but as soon yep. as they start looking at the children's math journals, so we use the textbook, that's part of um, our approach, um, and actually our happy graspers might get through the textbook work in about five minutes, and that's absolutely fine. Their journal then is their evidence of their greater depth, so they'll be doing much more open-ended problems. We've done a lot of staff training on different types of journaling um, and the importance of using sentence stems, so when I'm explaining something and it's about certainty, using without a doubt at the start. So there's really good practices around them being able to explain their reasoning 
has been a real factor. And if we look at our current year fives, we've actually got almost 40% of them working at greater depth. That's been unheard of here previously. Um, and that's just been phenomenal. In year two, we'd predicted 20% in maths for greater depth this year. We've got 38. So that ability, not only to continue to challenge those greater depth children and secure it, it's actually moving some of those children who were getting expected into greater depth more quickly because actually they're just being able to flourish. And any other things that are different in classrooms that one would notice? Do you think you've said no setting, yep. no, no, no different children at different tables according to what we think is their ability? Yeah. Uh, what about the sort of fine detail of what teachers are doing and how they are drawing out uh, greater depth within lessons? Questioning's improved massively. So um, th- this was a big issue for us before we um, started our mastery journey across the school. Um, and actually what you see now is really high quality questioning, not just in maths, but that's now impacting on other subject areas. And that time to think, so saying, well, how do you know? Tell me how you know. You'll hear that a lot. And actually that wasn't happening before um, because actually there was a need to get through the curriculum as quickly as possible. So I think our pace has slowed down a little as well. Um, and actually we've, we've had to put that within a policy. And, and certainly when we have people come in and look at our teaching, that's one of the big things that we often talk about a lot, that actually it, that we don't need to be moving through content at such a speed. The curriculum has been designed as a mastery curriculum. The idea is that they spend time going deeper, not going further. Um, so that's a definite shift for us. Um, but, but also in terms of marking and workload. So um, we, we very quick mark work and we do that as we're going around. The verbal feedback is much more important. So if you open books, actually there's, there's very little written feedback from the teacher because that's happening in the lesson. So that's impacting on staff because at the end of the day, they're not having another 30 books to mark. So I was going to ask about the staff time input. I, I, obviously, you, you, you've, you've brought a staff on a journey yes. uh, over the past couple of years. Uh, they've had to learn. They've had to spend time um, getting the hang of a new way of teaching maths. That's yeah. fair, is it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, how easy has it been to take them with you? Um, first of all, the sort of principles of uh oh yeah this is different isn't it yes and then the second bit is you know the workload bit principles first was it easy to convince them all that it was right to make this change we're very lucky in terms of our staff team so i think most people were on board i think what they found the hardest aspect of it was those send pupils what is it going to look like for them because they can't do it so a lot of the work we've had to do is around well actually let's show you they can so we identified early on some teachers that were maybe finding that more difficult and Claire spent lots of time in those classrooms modelling and showing them their children's potential. So one of the things was around um, actually growing the growth mindset of our staff so that they believe that every child can. Um, So that was definitely um, a challenge. I would say it was more work to begin with. Um, So we allowed for that in terms of CPD time. So when we realised actually it was taking longer to plan a lesson, more CPD time was given over to that. Um, And we, we reduced the amount of planning. So the staff don't plan on a Word document. Their planning is their slideshow for their lesson. So there's no written planning um, because actually everything they're teaching is there and there's no need for us to be asking for that. So you haven't reduced the amount of scrutiny, monitoring you do of planning. You're just expecting to look at different things. Absolutely. And actually, I'm more interested in going into the lesson 
and seeing what's going on there. So one of the big shifts, I think, after the first year was we realised that the way that we were, we do our, um, we call them lesson triangulations here rather than observations, because actually we try to look at three parts. So we look at the data, what the data is telling us about the children, what the books are telling us, and then what our learning walks are telling us. Um, we realised that our kind of generic observations weren't really cutting it for maths anymore because actually our teachers are becoming very highly skilled. So we do now also have our own specific maths lesson observation format um, where teachers get specific feedback around the way they're using STEM sentences, the way they're questioning for, for mastery and for depth, um, the way they're using the CPA approach, the way they're using the models and images um, within the lesson to secure the learning. So there's been a real shift there as well. And everyone's had to be on board with that. So actually it's been as much of a learning journey for me as a practitioner as it has for everybody else. Um, so that, that's been really important to us. You, you, you touched on results uh, or um, concrete ed- proof that what you're doing is right. Can you just yeah. elaborate a little bit more? In the end, yeah. you have to see numbers on a page, don't you? Of course you do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so last year's um, data, despite being a new curriculum, we achieved 63%. Um, but if I tell you that 50, this is key stage two, key stage two yep. 50% of those children weren't with us in year five. So they began that journey with us on, an M- 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 on um, mastery through year five and six. And actually to have achieved that was really phenomenal. Um, and, and we're really pleased with that. This year, um, we're looking at 75, which again, for, for us is a really fantastic achievement. Um, end of key stage two, um, we're in line with end of key stage one we're in line with national um, and as I say we've doubled the amount of children at greater depth um, if we look at the school as a whole over the first year we saw a 10% increase um, in mass attainment across the school um, which in a school of 400 that's a real achievement mm. and as I say the progress that those lower ability and send children made all children made expected progress and at least 40% made more than expected progress which we were incredibly pleased with and, and what about the future you mentioned you had Claire Williams uh, who's now a trained mastery specialist she's been a big part of this journey in this absolutely, school absolutely yeah but she's moving to another school this happens in schools teachers yes. move on absolutely uh, how how confident are you that the roots that have been put down in the past couple of years will remain healthy and stay there really confident I think because of um, the maths hubs so they're really key for me um, and they've been key for us in our journey um, so, so you're part. You're in Birmingham. So yes. Central Maths Hub is the one that you absolutely. So Bishop Challoner is our um, Maths Hubs. Um, so one of the things is that we've been able to um, have a deputy maths leader who's worked alongside Claire, has attended the subject knowledge enhancement course through the, the Maths Hubs this year, um, has been part of the TRG groups um, that we've run this year as well, and the teacher research groups. So she's got a really good grounding. Um, in terms of of taking that forward and what that also means then is you're part of a network of schools where actually there's always someone who has that um, that expertise that you might not have so if we are stuck we're not alone and I think that's really important in terms of your journey and what we've learned is we've frequently been able to go back and go we've done this and it hasn't worked what do you think why hasn't it worked Um, and we know that's going to continue Um, safe in the hands that we're part of something that's bigger than just ourselves. Right, well, that, it, it's great to hear the story. Has there any, have, have we missed anything? Any key elements, do you think, that have been part of this that uh, we haven't touched upon? I, I think um, 
being part of the Shanghai exchange was really fantastic. Um, so I think the first part of it was Claire having the chance to go over to Shanghai and, and really look at the quality of maths teaching that was going on over there and, and bringing some of that back. So we've looked at the way that they teach times tables and we've implemented that in year four um, in, in light of, I think as heads, we're all worried about the new online multiplication tests. Uh -huh. So we've implemented that um, as a way of going forward. Um, but, but also in terms of the pedagogy um, that, that she observed and, and the real care that's taken. So I think we're very quick in the UK to bang out as many lessons in a week as possible. But actually these teachers spend hours over one lesson. I wouldn't advocate that and I wouldn't want my teachers doing that. But it, I think it does make you think about how careful are we in the way that we present things to children so that it's really logical. Um, and certainly then when they came and taught our children, that that came across really strongly. Um, but what that enabled us to do was to start conversations with heads and schools that maybe we haven't worked with before who'd come along and were able just to talk to us about what we'd done um, and, 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 and possibly come and observe that. But also then schools that are further along the journey or are on the journey that we're able to learn from too. So, mm. so that, that experience w was really, really fantastic. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Shanghai because I'd forgotten to mention that myself. You, you, you said you changed what we do in times tables in year four. Yes, Give us a bit more detail on that, if you wouldn't mind. So the way they teach times tables in Shanghai is different. So um, it kind of looks like a staircase. So they don't learn all of the facts. Um, they learn a certain number of facts that enable them to access all of the others. So we're looking at that as a more efficient way of getting children to learn their times tables. Um, so that they understand what they're learning. Absolutely, because I think that's what we'd missed as a school in the long term before mastery. We were just teaching concepts. We weren't really thinking about the order we were teaching them in or why they were important or what really needed to go first or what mattered. We were just looking at the curriculum and teaching it blindly. Well, thank you very much indeed, uh, Helen Hastelo, the head of Slade Primary School in Birmingham. It's been interesting to hear your story, and it's one now of hundreds, if not thousands, of stories of primary schools across the country who are uh, going on this same journey. So thanks for li listening for the NCTM podcast. That's the end of it. If you want to find all our other podcasts, you can find them on the NCTM website or wherever you get your normal podcasts. You can uh, find us and subscribe to us. You don't have to pay when you subscribe. That's just a way of automatically getting the podcast notified to your phone or other device. Um, and there are, we've had podcasts on all sorts of primary and secondary maths subjects. So until the next one, uh, goodbye and thank you very much for listening.